Listen, I done seen Daryl Morey on his 76ers, right? Deal with bullying tactics from Ben Simmons in the same unit, <laughs> um, clutch, same guy, same agent, right? Rich Paul. And he didn't panic. He didn't get scared out of his boots. He said, you know, I'm going to trade Ben Simmons away when I feel like it. The Lakers front office internally are blaming Clutch Sports, LeBron James for the Russell Westbrook book, excuse me, trade. That one I didn't try to do. Like, I know sometimes I actually play and say brick on purpose, but that one, I'm so used to saying brick that that one really came out as brick, and I really meant to say his name, um, Westbrook trade in this retrospect. But anyway, let's start it over. The Lakers front office internally are blaming Clutch Sports, LeBron James for Russell Westbrook trade for the trade should the lakers front office be deflecting the blame and i would say this zay i don't think so i don't think they should you know and the reason why is because of what i've been preaching the last couple shows about the front office personnel input roster construction input at the end of the day when you're the front office you have certain powers that you shouldn't just give away. You right. know, um, you get the power to construct your team, manage your cap situation. I think when you look at Brooklyn, for example, mm-hmm. and Kyrie Irving just hijacking and KD just hijacking the beautiful job that Sean Mark's been doing for all these years. It's almost borderline criminal. It's like robbery. Like this guy been doing a good job of building his team. Building a great culture mm-hmm. in Brooklyn, and they just came in there and hijacked that. Really, not like they just came in there and took it. Yeah. Sean Marks obviously opened the door for them to take it and say, "Here you go," and put their faith in these players to accomplish the all end goal that they all have. And they obviously failed in that department. The Lakers in the Nets are the same thing to me as far as how their season ended and how. Just personal input came to backfire. But at the end of the day, even so, even if LeBron James wanted Russell Westbrook, even if Anthony Davis wanted Russell Westbrook, you have to know as the front office to say, you know what? It's not going to fit. I don't believe Russell Westbrook can play with LeBron James because he clearly needs the ball in his hand. He's not going to be a spot-up shooter. He's not a good shooter. He's been efficient, one of the most inefficient players for the last two or three seasons in the NBA in its entirety. Mm-hmm. So we expect him because he's playing with LeBron to, to make these shots. Nah, it's just not going to happen. You have to know what you're doing. And it's clear to me, and it makes sense when I think about it, because the Lakers don't know what they're doing. And that's been a theme for the last five years. So it's not surprising that they will allow this trait to happen and not say, you know what, let me buzz down. It's not happening, bro. It's not happening, bro. We're going elsewhere. We're going to trade for Buddy Hill. We're going to let DeMar DeRozan come in for a much cheaper price in free agency, you know, and um, take care of that and allow you to figure it out. Because even though DeMar would have been an adjustment period anyway to fit with LeBron James, it wasn't going to just automatically connect. I would stand my chances with that compared to Russell Westbrook. Honestly, guys do the same thing. So I think also when you combine the fact that who got to complete the deal, it's the front office. They're the ones that got to go in these negotiations and work the deal, the dynamics of the deal, 
right? The picks, whoever we traded for, what's the rest for? We got to do that whole thing, that whole process. That's not LeBron James. That's not Anthony Davis. We got to work and do that whole process. Listen, I done seen Daryl Morey on his 76s, right? Deal with bullying tactics from Ben Simmons in the same unit, <laughs> um, clutch, same guy, same agent, right? Rich Paul. And he didn't panic. He didn't get scared out of his boots. He said, you know, I'm going to trade Ben Simmons away when I feel like it. When I feel the best offer is on the table. I'm not going to allow you to bully me and be the Frankie Carbo and Blicky Palomo of the NBA and say, you know what? Get me off my spot and miss out on potential good assets to build around my team. No, I'm going to wait for James Harden, and I'm going to pull the trigger, and Ben Simmons is going to go where I say he's going to go. That's how you flex your muscle. The Lakers should have did the same thing with LeBron James and Anthony Davis, but they fell by the wayside, and they allowed them to ruin what's been a, what should have been a championship-level season. And guess what? Potentially ruin the future unless they take back the power and trade away, like I've been saying, LeBron James and Anthony Davis. And the reason why I say so is because Anthony Davis is injury-prone. I need to see him play basketball. I think his value is shot compared to what it was when you first trade for the brother. When you talk about Russell Westbrook, who really want to take on that contract again? Not a lot of teams will want to take on that contract again. So who is your best asset on your team that's available? That's LeBron James. So maybe you flex your power and take it back or you keep it with the Lakers and still be where you are today. Hey, I think when, um, I don't like that the front office, the Lakers front office came out with support or they got leaked. I don't like the fact that they're blaming Clutch Sports and LeBron James for the Westbrook trade. I think they need to have more of an actual gut and stomach. Like, I'm not going to say what I was going to say. But they, they should actually man up and say, no, it's our fault that we, we traded for Westbrook. We thought he would be what he thought we thought he would make a difference on his team. We thought it would be a workout with LeBron and AD despite the injuries that they had and it didn't work out for us. And, you know, we have to move accordingly and make our roster changes if they, that's what they really believe. Um, I don't blame Westbrook for the totality of the season. You had AD, who's younger than both LeBron and Westbrook, who didn't play well at all. And then when he's he's not on the court for months at a time, you expect this team to just win games. They don't have the assets to do so. And then we look at Trevor Ariza, who's supposed to be brought on. Hurt, it hurt. You know, Kendrick Nunn, who they paid, hurt. You know, you look at Avery Bradley, who was arguably the most consistent player on his team. And he wasn't even there most of the time. He wasn't the same Avery Bradley as when he was on Boston. He's an older guy. He's, got, he's not the same guy. And then we look at who the main contributor of this team was Malik Monk and Stanley Johnson. Melo was nowhere to be found either. Melo had a good couple games, but he's not a defender. He doesn't play all-around basketball. So you're expecting him to do what he's not anticipated to do, and that's do bulk of the work. So this team in this totality was not doing well. I'm not going to put the bulk of the blame on Westbrook for this season. I, but the front office needs to take the blame. They have to have accountability in that front office. We made a mistake. We made the wrong move. And we're going to move accordingly in this offseason. Simple. Nobody told you to trade KCP and Caruso. No, excuse me. No one told you to not sign back Caruso. Trade KCP and Kyle Kuzma, the youngest guys on the team, to push forward to this quote-unquote uh, championship run. And you lost all your gritty players. When you lose all your gritty players, that's like the Brooklyn Nets did. You're not going anywhere. Stars don't make the super. I mean, the championship. They don't win championships. The role players do. The gritty role players are the ones that do the, the bulk of the work in the playoffs and, and championship to win those games. So the superstars like the LeBrons, the KDs of the world, the Currys of the world, 
could win them the game in the clutch moments because the gritty players doing everything else in that 46, 47 minute mark. And then that last minute is where the superstar, the superstar shine, where they come up and they take the game away. Like, all right, thank you for um, pushing me to the hill. Now I'm going to take you over the hill. That's the guys that you need. You got rid of all of them. So now you're expected to have these guys who are still prima donnas in my eyes, the LeBron, the Mellows, the Westbrooks, the um, uh, I lost my train of thought. Um, Kent the Bezos Anthony at one Davis. point. Anthony Davis. Is, I mean, I mean, he's not a role player to me, but not role player, but diva, diva. I'll tell you, yeah, the divas, but I'm talking about like the the role players that the Lakers had are all divas, just similar to what the Nets had. They had role players that were divas. They weren't really willing to do the gritty work. And that's the issue. So I think when you look at this Lakers team, they need to get some gritty players in that locker room. You know, they have to have guys that's willing to do the hard work, the guy, the thing, driving on the floor, guarding the tough, the, um, making the tough call, tough fouls, doing those bevy of things. And I think the, uh, I'm disappointed in this Lakers front office because at one point they looked genius when they got Anthony Davis and LeBron to mesh up with the young guys. And now they're looking like the Nets front office. It just looks confused. It looks befuddled. And the rest of the league is literally torpedoing above them where they're still holding on to this old idea and old mythology that we need to just bolster our roster with star players and the league will be scared of us. Newsflash, these young guys are not scared of y'all. They're literally taking the game to y'all on a game-to-game basis and it's time for y'all to wake up. I think one of the points that you made about having that gritty guy in regards to like a Draymond Green, a Pat Beverly, a Bobby Portis, you know, one of those type of dudes, even a Crowder, you can argue for the Suns, you know, the guy can't score, but he does all the other little things as well. You know, I think not having that dude came back to haunt the Lakers because when you look at it, guys are not playing defense. They're not hustling to the ball. Nobody is a, is a, is a, is a, not afraid to get their hands dirty and, and, and just die for balls. You didn't see a lot of that. You didn't see the effort plays. You didn't see LeBron James hustling back in transition. He going on one end trying to chase scoring titles, and then the next end, get back in transition, Barn. What are you doing? You're supposed to be the leader of this team. You're not even running back to transition and so that gravitates towards the whole team but if you had that one gritty dude he could have set that pace and that tempo for that style of play but um i, I would say this i think the lakers railroaded their coach and frank vogel he did not always make the best decisions they didn't always put out the great lineups you know i'm um, this season and i get it he had his fair shares of obstacles and his fair shares of mishaps but trading away a defensive-minded coach, his gritty players that he did have from that side of the ball. I mean, come on, what do we expect for a bunch of old Uncle Jews that cannot defend, that don't even have the effort to defend? I think that was kind of a, a sus to me because I, I watched Tom Thibodeau, and I'm a Knicks fan, of course. I watched Tom Thibodeau take us to the playoffs last season, okay? And mind you, the Lakers won in the bubble a couple seasons ago. Okay, and I see, and that, that championship holds more rate than any other thing, you know, um, from the comparison that I'm making. And I seen Tom Thibodeau get my team. Woohoo, the Knicks are back. We outside today, Jack. Woohoo! And next season, we don't even make the playing game. But yet he has another opportunity, another year to, to, to run it back and, and, and show that I, like, this year was a fluke compared to what we did last year. I'm saying to myself, I thought Frank Vogel got the raw end of the deal because he won a championship before. Like I said, I know he hasn't always been the greatest X's and O's guy this year as far as lineup changes and adjusting. But I think this whole season was failed 
from the summertime, as I alluded to, when they made this deal. And part of that is the front office. I think the front office should be fired more so than it was the coach. But that's just me and my two cents. Uh, quick thing about the Knicks. You know, um, one, Thibodeau gets a lot of credit because the roster he went to the playoffs with, the fourth seed in the Eastern Conference with, was Alfred Payton and Reggie Bullock starting the point guard and shooting guard position. R.J. Barrett, Randall at the forwards, Mitchell Robinson slash Nernal's Noel at the five. Now, Mitchell Robinson was hurt majority of the season. They got Derrick Rose midseason. Emmanuel quickly played extremely well. Obi Toppin did his thing off the bench, the limited minutes that they gave him. Taj Gibson played really well. They overachieved, and that's in credit to Thibodeau. So they gave him, they given him the, the leeway to bolster this roster with talent and then give him the keys as move on. Like I said, I'm still giving him a third season because I feel like last season with Rose and Noel out and then you're not playing the young guys, there's a lot of issues that I hope that will be corrected moving forward. Now, I'm not saying it's a, it's a bad move. I'm just saying I've seen this dude Thibodeau take a step back, yes. and a lot of it was on him too. He did not give guys certain minutes. Like Emmanuel quickly should have got more minutes. Obi Toppin, hello. Yeah. I mean, he could have got more minutes. But I'm saying Frank Vogel won a championship in the bubble a couple years ago. And I know a lot of people say it's the bubble. It's the bubble. He hit Doc Rivers. Well, we, I dropped that 3-1 lead. It's the bubble. Hey, the he won a championship. That weighs more than getting a bunch of nobodies to a playoffs and losing in five games to the Hawks. My fault. I understand. But listen, that's the reason why Frank Vogel needed to be fired. Because his inability to make trade away his guys. You trade away his defensive guys. He didn't make adjustments guys. throughout the season. And the adjustment he made was to sit bench Westbrook and he still lost games, thinking that was the that was the key to everything. Westbrook wasn't an issue on his team. It was the the his inability to adjust, which has been his issue his entire career, his inability to adjust and change plays in the game. He has not done that. He expected the star players to take control of the game. Frank Vogel needs to be fired because he relied upon his star players just taking control of the game, opposed to making adjustments with the role players, changing how the game's supposed to be run. He literally benched the guys that, that could have helped him in order for him just to have the, LeBron run the show, play 45 minutes, 50, 50 minutes on a bad ankle. Westbrook, go and do whatever, on a, stay in a corner. Westbrook, and then on top of that, he tried to put Westbrook and Rondo on the court at the same time. Pull two guards who don't shoot. He I get started it. DeAndre and Jordan in the beginning of the season. I get it, but look, right now, what this implies, because when you fire a coach after a bad season, that's basically, no matter if you're talking about X's and O's, corrections, and things of that nature, that shows that he was the guy, the fall guy. That's what that just shows to the audience. That, all right, that's who you're blaming for this. And you really think guys like Craig Snyder, you know, um, maybe you may get him because it's not like his situation in Utah is any uh, – well, it is greater. I'll take that Utah team over the Lakers team any day of the week right now compared to where they're at. So I'm not even going that direction. But you think guys are going to want to coach this team where they just see what happened to Frank Vogel and they see this roster, and that was mainly because of the front office and topic of conversation that we are talking about right now? The only guy you could probably get is a guy that's desperate for a head coaching job that may have some great resumes. Like, for example, maybe a Mark Jackson. You try to lure him over there. But he making all that money broadcasting. Why am I coming to coaching? A job where my job is is not always safe. That's why I always tell people when it comes to this Mike, Mark Jackson thing, oh, Mark Jackson needs a job. He needs a job. He needs a job. 
Really? The guy got one of the most secured jobs in America, making a whole lot of loot and knowing damn well if you have a bad game broadcast and you ain't getting fired by the night. Why would I come to one of the least secured jobs in America and leave my broadcasting gig so I could just end up back in bar? Nah, I'm good. I'm making good loot. It's not going to happen. So, you know, um, the Lakers, they're going to have to find a coach that's going to be willing to overlook what they did to Frank Vogel, what this season was about, the guys that they have on their team right now um, that literally do not follow co coaches' instructions. Look how Wilson Westbrook flat out disrespected the coach. I'm not trying to coach that. I'm sorry. I know the guy got hard. He hustles. I get it. The same usual stuff that people say about Westbrook for all these years. He hustles. He hustles. He hustles. Is it not translating the championships? It's not, it's not translating to wins in the playoffs like that anymore. So like that's it. why I'm just like, nah, I'm, I'm, you know, they, I think they railroaded the, the coach and I think it's going to come back because if I'm a coach, why would I be dumb enough to go there and take on that? Unless the front office is willing to do what I say and trade away some of these stars that they got over there. I think, you know, you're not wrong. I think, you know, the, um, now that I think about it more and more, the coach did get railroaded. But also, they're using um, Westbrook as a scapegoat for the incompetence of the Lakers' front office. You didn't bring defenders on his team. You brought a bunch of offensive players that shoot the ball older. The guys are not going to make the gritty play like I stated before. But I also want to say that Westbrook was the healthiest player on this roster. Legit played every almost every game. I think played 80 games. Probably, probably a little bit less, probably a little bit more. He's the healthiest player on this roster. And the fact that he gets the scapegoat as in he's the reason why this team was losing. When you look at the rest of the roster, these guys were out majority of the season. He's playing with Austin Reeves, Stanley Johnson. He's playing with guys literally that's not like the, the guys that he was expected to play with throughout the entirety. And Westbrook, majority of his career, the prime of his career, he was, a, he was able to carry the teams that had less talent into a playoff one. He's able to carry them because he's an athletic ability and his ability to really just blow past teams, get the foul calls, do these different things. He's not that guy anymore. He's, he's, he's literally worn down because he's done it so much in his career that it's getting to the point where he's not that guy anymore to do it at this particular juncture. And that's the biggest issue because those teams that he had were OKC, the Wizards, Houston. They had defensive players around them. It was Westbrook, Austin Reeves, Stanley Johnson. Literally, Stanley Johnson, Austin Reeves were their best defensive players on the court. You can't do much with that. With Dwight Howard coming off the bench, with DeAndre Jordan playing when he was playing, it's not so much you could do. Malik Monk, there's not so much Westbrook could do with that. He did the best he could with 80 games that he played, but then that was it. And people use him like, oh, get this bum out of here. Because if they would have got DeMar DeRozan, and this, I know DeMar DeRozan had a good year. He would, DeMar DeRozan would have not thrived on L.A. with that roster because that roster would have been the same thing. They would have said the same thing about DeMar. Why would you get a guy who can't shoot threes? Why you can't do this? Why would you? It would be the same issues. So it's just that. A lot, you just would have had, had that, that terrible contract that has looming. That, that's the thing. You know, um, I think what you said about Russell Westbrook, even though I agree, I slightly disagree in the sense that I'm going to start by what I agree with. Like, mm -hmm. he's not really to blame for the struggles on the court. You know, because obviously, I mean, he was healthy, was available. Anthony Davis, I mean, come on. We're talking about a dude that's unreliable. He's an unreliable athlete, clear. But when you look at Russell Westbrook, I think that's why you have to develop an outside game. Like, that's more on Russell Westbrook to try to develop that outside game. You know, when you look at this league, you're going to have to shoot. I mean, this is a different league now. 
You know, you're going to have to develop an outside game so you can last. Think about all the mileage on his legs. Think about all the, the just running to the basket, getting to the basket, mm-hmm. and just the tenacity that we all love him for can come back to bite him in his career, and it surely has at this point in time. The same thing that we use as a prop to say how much of a great athlete Russell Westbrook is and why we love Russell Westbrook is the same thing that's going to come back around and bite Russell Westbrook, especially if he doesn't develop an outside shot. You got to adapt. Even guys like Carmelo, when he was in the league and he was having a tough time trying to stay on the roster, he developed. He said, you know what, I'm going to take on that next role of coming off the bench if I need to. First, he gave them hell. You know what I'm saying? He didn't want to come off the bench. Guy was like, come off the bench. And then he had to be humbled for a year. And I'm like, yo, is this guy ever going to come back? Well, he took that, that humbleness and he worked on the outside game. And now he was able to be on a roster like the Lakers and come on and shoot. And now he has another a game where he can stay in the league a couple more years. If you're Russell Westbrook, you have to look in the mirror and stop with that ego. If a coach is telling you come off the bench, it's because you suck right now or you don't fit well with this team. You have to take that responsibility and say, you know what? Uh, maybe there's something wrong. Maybe I could help my team. First of all, your main priority should be helping your team in the best way I can. If coach think it's me coming off the bench, then it's me coming off the bench. He got to know how to put that ego aside and try to develop in other areas so he can help a team win. Otherwise, he will not last in this league anymore. I agree. I think, I think you know, as much of a Westbrook fan I am, I, as I am, I think, you know, he is um, right now dealing with the ego uh, that's way beyond his capabilities of performing on the court. And um, as much as I like, I like him as a basketball player, I think he's, his tenacity and his aggression is what the, every team needs in the locker room just to just kind of push the guys further. Um, he needs to understand that, that his, t- his time in the league is dwindling, but he's still a, a high-usage player, a guy who could ball. But if you're not going to at least develop the different parts of the game to help the team win, you're going to have to come off that bench until, until further notice. Because right now, everybody in the league is able, is a, has an ability to shoot at the guard position. And, um, you know, you're going to have to be able to do so. I mean, I, I still think he drives to the paint at a very high level. He scores the basketball at a very high level. This year was was a, one of those unknown years where he missed a lot of dunks, but he's a guy who could score in, in a paint at a very high level. But I just think if he's on a team that's able to space the floor, which he has yet to have in his career, he has yet to have a team in his career that's able to space the floor. Give him a team like that or put him on a team in that nature where they're able to have, just have space, they're gonna, you're going to see a thriving Westbrook. It's just that they want him to work with no space on the court, and they expect him to just keep doing it on a night-in, night-out basis as if father time or just that things just are supposed to magically happen because you have three stars on the court. When you have AD who's shooting terrible, LeBron James who shoots threes okay, and then you have Westbrook, you can't expect them to be shooting threes lights out. Those, that's not a floor-spacing team. You put Westbrook on a team like the Warriors where everyone's spaced out, he's going to have to paint all to himself because it's easier to What about the Jazz? What about even the Jazz? I mean, you got Rudy Gobert on a terrible contract. You know what I'm saying? You look at over there, they got shooters over there that can shoot the ball. Correct. You know, you we just have to work with on, on the Lakers? I mean, I'm cool with that too. That could work. That's what I'm saying. I thought about it. I'm like, yeah, I mean, they, they got two terrible contracts over there possibly do a swap and, and see how that happens but um i just i in here okay talking about this front office and in the super teams you know i think right now what has been underestimated by me i can say more so from my own standpoint and possibly by a lot of people is that when we talked about the super team era 
And how boring basketball was at a, a point in time when we had the same team dominating the, the league, I think, as always, in anything, in any business, any type of um, dynasty or sports in general, the windows are not as open as you think they are. And I think right now, the league has shifted. And right now, I, I don't see a super team. I, I think the super teams are kind of fading. I mm-hmm. think the Nets and the Lakers could be the ending of the super teams when you think about it because of how terrible, I mean, the, the star plays with their intel put mm-hmm. together the, these teams and were unreliable at the same time on the court, even putting together these teams. Like Kyrie Urban having intel say, Durant having intel say, Durant is injured, Kyrie Urban is part-time, not even playing at one sitting in the season. The Lakers, we all know how that happened. And then, you know, obviously the front office is not happy at all with what happened. I don't know. I think right now with the Lakers and the, and the, and the Nets, you could possibly be seeing the ending of the super team. And um, also, when I think about it, it, it does take one athlete to kind of – put his back in that same boat, you can argue. But mm-hmm. I think right now, when you look at the league, I think it's more parity and more clarity when you talk about teams that could potentially compete instead of just one or two teams that we used to think so in the, the past. Can You Dig It Sports Radio Network is here. Revolutionize the game of media. Dig, dig, dig.